Hello and welcome to episode number five of the Cheese Steaks and Controllers podcast brought to you by Fox PHL, the gambler in Philadelphia. My name is Jason Finelli and I missed you. I missed you all so much last week. I was on vacation with my family down the beach, North Wildwood, New Jersey, enjoying the sun, enjoying the sand and the ocean. Uh, didn't really do much else besides that because we didn't really trust the boardwalk. Uh, with all of the pandemic nonsense going on, but the kids had a blast, the the wife had a good time, I had a good time, it was perfect, uh, but now we're back into business, we've got a lot to talk about today on, to, on the episode, there's playoffs to talk about, and showcases to preview and review, as the case may be, uh, so let's not waste any more time and get right into the 6 in 60 Seconds. The Overwatch League's Countdown Cup, the final in-season tournament of the year, kicks off this Friday. The Philadelphia Fusion are off this week, but will play next Saturday against the Toronto Defiant. Elsewhere, the 76ers Gaming Club have won four straight series in the NBA 2K League, with their next game Friday at 7pm versus Hawks Talon Gaming. Meanwhile, the Call of Duty League has their London Royal Ravens home series this week, the second-to-last home series of the regular season, with the playoffs just three weeks away. Elsewhere in gaming, EA Sports announced UFC 4 to be releasing on August 14th, with Jorge Masvidal and Israel Adesanya, I hope I said those right, on the cover. Meanwhile, LEGO and Nintendo have announced the next part of their partnership, a LEGO NES complete with a small TV. Finally, Bethesda has announced that QuakeCon 2020, the 25th annual QuakeCon, will be happening all online from August 7th to August the 9th. Yes, folks, those are your 6 in 60 seconds for the week. Probably could have done more considering I was out for a week last week, but I feel like those were the best ones to get you caught up. Uh, There will be some segments later in the episode where we take a little bit of a deeper dive of things that were announced and talked about over the past week or so. Uh, But for now, that's good for your news update. Let's move on to our first topic of the night. So both the Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, frequent topics here on this show, uh, announced their postseason plans and structures for the rest of the year. We already knew how the regular seasons would go. Now we know what's going to happen in the postseason. So we're going to spend the first part of our broadcast tonight talking about the playoffs. Uh, Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? No, I'm not kidding you. We're talking about the playoffs. So, conveniently, the Call of Duty League and the Overwatch League are both run and overseen by the same company, Activision Blizzard. The Activision side owns Call of Duty, and the Blizzard side runs Overwatch. Therefore, they were able to schedule both of these postseasons without them conflicting or cannibalizing one another. That is smart, good work. So the Call of Duty League will go off first. That begins on Wednesday, August the 19th, a couple of weeks after the final home series of the year, which is taking place next weekend, July 24th to the 26th. In that postseason, there are 12 slots for 12 teams. However, each team will be sorted in a certain way. The top two seeds... And we spoke about this with Atura uh, a couple episodes ago, episode number three. 
the top two seeds in the standings at the end of the regular season will get two buys. That is crucial for winning this tournament. Two buys for the top two seeds. The third and fourth seed will get one buy. The fourth, fifth, I'm sorry, the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth seeds will not get a buy, but they will start in the winner's section of the double elimination tournament, so they can lose two matches until they are eliminated. The ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th seeds, who originally were not even supposed to be in the Call of Duty postseason, now get in, but automatically sit in the elimination round. They do not get the luxury of having two losses to be eliminated. It is not double elimination for them. It is single elimination for seeds 9 through 12. So the Olive Branch is cast with them getting into the playoffs, but at the end is a thorn saying, you only get one shot, make it count. Interesting scenario. I get it. It's a good way to get all 12 teams involved, considering the whole pandemic issue uh, eliminates any impropriety or any thoughts of anyone being left out or unfair advantage, that sort of thing. So I dig it. I dig that idea uh, to get all the teams involved starting on August the 19th. And in fact, those first two matches on August the 19th are the 9, 10, 11, and 12 seeds. The 9 seed will play the 12, and the 10 will play 11. If the season were to end right now, that would be the Paris Legion playing the Los Angeles Gorillas, 9 and 12, and the Toronto Ultra playing the Seattle Surge, 10 and 11. Uh, the next day, on August the 20th, a Thursday, the winner's side round one will kick off. That is uh, the 5th seed, the 6th seed, the 7th, and the 8th. If the season were to end today, that would be the New York Subliners, who just won their home series last weekend, taking on Optic Gaming Los Angeles, and the Minnesota Rocker taking on the London Royal Ravens. Uh, The next day, on the 21st of August, that's a Friday, the winner of the 5 through 8 will play the 4th seed, and the winner of the 6 and 7 will play the 3 seed. If that were to be today, that would be the 4 seed Dallas Empire and the 3 seed Florida Mutineers. The next day, on Saturday, we get 4 games. The next round of eliminations, which would be the winner's of the 9-12-10-11 matches versus the losers of the first double elimination, and the third round of the winners, where the number one and two seeds finally get to show their stuff, which if the season ended today, number one would be Atlanta Phase and number two Chicago Huntsman. They all take place on Saturday, August the 22nd. On Sunday the 23rd, All we will have is elimination rounds. It will only be four more matches in the lower brackets, so lose and you're out. And after Sunday, we will have four teams left. We'll have two teams on the winner's double elimination side, and then we will have two teams on the lower um, eliminations side. So two in the winners, two in the eliminations. The final four, as it were. And then we have to wait a week, unfortunately. Saturday, August 29th, is when those four teams will become two. It will start with the bottom half, the eliminations round five. That will produce a winner 
the loser leaves the tournament. Then we'll have the winner's finals. The top two teams in the winner's side will play each other. The loser will, I'm sorry, the winner will move automatically to the championship on Sunday, where the loser will go to the loser's finals also on Saturday against the team that won the first match of the day on Saturday. That sounds very confusing, right? There's a lot to take in there. Double elimination tournaments are always, always difficult to describe in words. But if you take a look at the bracket at CallDutyLeague.com, it's right there. It's very clear. And if you insert teams where they would be and fill out your brackets, uh, it makes a lot of sense as to how this tournament's going on. And really, it's logical. When you have a league of 12 teams, a double elimination tournament fits perfectly. They've been doing double elimination tournaments all year in these home series, so it's an easy adaptation into the actual final tournament of the year to crown your first ever Call of Duty League champion. Makes a lot of sense to me. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, I don't know who I'm rooting for yet. I have a couple of teams that I'm leaning towards. Uh, I've always liked the Huntsman, Chicago Huntsman, for some reason. Uh, uh, Florida Mutineers really impressed me uh, when they were surging uh, until they had to take that time off. Uh, and a tour is really cool. Uh, he was lucky, happy. He was uh, uh, fortunate enough to come talk to me uh, two episodes ago. Um, the New York Subliners impressed me this week, and if they can impress me again uh, this coming week, that would be great. Uh, and I may or may not be talking to one of them for next week's episode. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of interesting Call of Duty postseason breakdowns to do. Obviously, it will be easier to do once the brackets are completed after next weekend, not this coming weekend, the weekend after. Again, we still have two more uh, home series to go. But once that bracket's there, we can start talking about who's going to win this thing and... Um, I will definitely give my brackets as we get closer to tournament date. Now, August the 30th is the end of the Call of Duty League season. September the 3rd is the beginning of the Overwatch League season. Now, uh, I'm sorry, the beginning Overwatch League postseason. Right after Call of Duty's over, Overwatch fills right in to uh, get their postseason started. Now, this one is a little more convoluted. Again, because of the COVID-19 pandemic and teams having to play online in two different regions. You had 13 teams in the North America region and you had seven teams in the Asia region. It's been weird ever since the the pandemic started, but they're going to try their best to make this as simple as possible. And how they're doing that is they're keeping the two regions. So you do have the first region which has 13 teams, Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, Florida, Houston, both LA teams, Paris, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Toronto, Vancouver, and Washington, because they have been playing all their games in North America, and it's easy to get them connected, easier to get them connected um, than having to bring in the Asia teams for all of a full 20-team playoff. And then you'll have the teams playing in Asia, the seven teams playing there, the Chengdu, Chengdu Hunters, Guangzhou Charge, Hangzhou Spark, Hangzhou Spark, London Spitfire, New York Excelsior, Shanghai Dragons, and Seoul Dynasty playing in Asia. Yes, it is very weird seeing New York among the Asia teams. That's just where they're based. I think they're in Seoul, South Korea. Um, so it makes sense geographically. It may not. It may not make sense geographically, but it makes sense logistically as to where those teams are. So those 
two regions will play each other out. Teams will be seeded in each region based on their records over the regular season, plus a couple of tiebreakers that will be applied if necessary, specifically their placements uh, and their performances in the three in-season tournaments that happened at the end of the year, May Melee, Summer Showdown, and the Countdown Cup coming up this week, starting this week. All teams do have an opportunity to qualify for the playoffs. However, the higher seeds enjoy significant advantages, including both buys and the choice of opponent for the first rounds of the bracket. The the brackets will open with single elimination play-in matches between the lowest seeded teams to earn their spots in the double elimination playoff bracket. Sounds familiar, right? Just more teams this time split up into two uneven regions. After two weeks of playoffs, we'll have, starting on September 3rd, ending on, I believe, the, that would be the, sorry, uh, the 13th of September. So the 3rd is when it starts, the 13th is when you have four teams left. Two on one side, two on the other side. Those final four teams will then compete in their own double elimination bracket with the two final two teams advancing to the grand finals. Now, this final four will not happen right after the 13th. There will be a few weeks, that's what they're calling it, a few weeks of time off for health and safety needs and to account for travel logistics. Basically, We're not going to get this Final Four until the teams travel to one place in Asia and there's a quarantine. They're going to have to quarantine for two weeks before they can play these games. I understand it. It's a little frustrating. It means that the season probably won't end until the first week of October, which, to be fair, is not much later than it ended last year. Last year, it was in Philly the end of September, uh, the last Uh, Sunday in September, if I recall. So it's not that much later than it would normally be. So if if the season ends the 13th and they travel that week, the the, the two weekends from that week would be October 3rd and 4th, the weekend after they ended last year. Not a big deal. Um, But then once the quarantines are done and everybody's fine, there's no issues, the four teams will play in Asia for the, the Overwatch Cup to be the third ever Overwatch League champion, joining the London Spitfire in year one and the San Francisco Shock last year. Now, those brackets, if you look at them, are slightly more complicated, uh, at least on their face, uh, when you click when you go to overwatchleague.com and take them on. So first, you have the six and seven scenes in the APAC playing each other. Uh, then the three-seed... We'll see the winner of game one or the fifth seed. They get they get their choice. And the fourth seed gets whoever's left. And then the first seed gets whichever winner they want. The second seed gets the other one. And then they come down to their final two. The main difference between the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League is the winner's I'm sorry, the, 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 the seeds with buys getting the opportunity to choose their opponents. 
Call of Duty League, as I understand it based on this bracket, does not allow their teams to do that. It is simply whoever wins this match, they go to this place, and that's how things work. You don't get to choose who your opponent is, which makes sense to me. Uh, it's following a more standard structure of a tournament in the Call of Duty League. In the, in the college basketball tournament, March Madness, if a 15 beats a 2, that 15 is not immediately transported to play the number one seed. They stay in their lane, in the bracket, and they play either the 7th seed or the 10th seed, because that's where they are, down in that little section. Um, Overwatch League has a little more freedom, so you don't really know, you can't really track who is going to play who until those parts of the bracket are filled out. I could sit here and say that this is the path the Fusion need to take to win the Grand Finals, but I don't know who they're going to play. I have no idea who they're even going to see or where they're going to be in the bracket until the the postseason starts. So let's take a look at the North American bracket. So there are 13 seeds in this bracket. 13 uh, teams in the North American region split into... 16 games, sorry, 18 games between the winners and the losers bracket. And these brackets are really tough to follow and even harder to describe. Suffice it to say, it's going to start with the lowest remaining seeds. Um, The 10 seed is going to choose between the 12 and the 13 seed. The 11 seed is going to choose whoever's left. Then the same thing is going to happen the next round, but the 6th, 7th, and the 8th seed get to decide between seed 9 or the two winners of the first two games. See? Really hard to describe. It's something you kind of have to look at on their website, but I'm going to try my best. I am going to try my best. And then after that, so you'll have two winners in the first two games of the North America region. In the second tier, the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th seed get to choose between the two winners of the first two games, and the ninth seed, who's just hanging out. Once those three games are played, the remaining four seeds will choose from those three winners and the fifth seed, and then we're finally in a standard eight-team bracket uh, with the one playing their choice, the two playing their choice, the three playing their choice, and the four playing their choice, and that breaks down Normally. Now, meanwhile, there's a loser's bracket happening at the same time, which makes things even crazier. See, it's it's a lot to take in. It really is. I'm not going to lie to you. But if you want to check out the overwatchleague.com uh, 2020 playoffs information and take a look at that bracket, it makes sense when you look at it. Um, you just have to follow where game six is up in the top bracket and put it to the bottom bracket so you know what teams will end up where. Um, all I'm going to tell the Fusion is, when it gets to this point, don't lose. Just keep playing your game. It'll be a lot easier to track you that way if you just keep winning and get yourself into those grand finals um, in Asia. So, uh, that is a long-winded and somewhat confusing look at the post-seasons of the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League. This is what happens when a pandemic affects esports. Um I'm hoping that next year will be a little less convoluted. We'll have an actual normal playoff season uh, where they can play each other 
live next to each other, and we can be there screaming from the stands. But um, they really are making lemonade out of lemons here. Uh, lemonade out of contagious pandemic lemons. They really are. Uh, I, I, I do not envy either of the organizers of these leagues that have to put together this system. I can't imagine. The Call of Duty bracket was a little bit easier, but the decision to bring in the bottom four teams was a smart one, um, just to give them a chance uh, and to to clear the field, as it were, only giving them the handicap of one and done as opposed to a double elimination. That's a great idea, and I'm glad they did that. Uh, I would love to see one of those lower seeds just run the table and get all the way to the final game. Uh, that would be an awesome story. Do I think it's going to happen? No, probably not. But weirder things have happened in sports. Esports is the same. Uh, go Seattle Surge, if that's the case. Um, I mean, if the season ended today, I don't know where the Surge are going to end up. But if they're in, if they're down there, I will ride the Surge as long as they want to be ridden. Um Meanwhile, in the Overwatch League, those tournaments, the, the North American bracket is a little more convoluted, but uh, something, again, I do not envy these people for having to make, but I respect that they did it in a way that includes all 20 teams. Um, I will say, though, it'll be a lot clearer once we're in the middle of September, and 20 teams has been shrunk to four, and all we have to worry about are two teams from Asia and two teams from North America in the final four. So there you go. That is uh, how esports playoffs work in a pandemic. Uh, I would get used to double elimination tournaments if you're going to be coming an esports fan. They are all over the place, uh, from Overwatch and Call of Duty to fighting games to everything else. Uh, double elimination tournaments are your friend. So with that, let's take a look. Uh, let's move. Sorry, let's move on from playoffs and talk about what we're going to be playing as soon as possible. Grab your cups. It's time for what's on tap. Big week for the gaming industry this week as four big hyped titles are coming to you in the next seven days. First, on the same day as this episode, Friday, July 17th, you have two fantastic console exclusives. One in Ghost of Tsushima, the samurai open world epic by Sucker Punch Productions for the PlayStation 4. And Paper Mario, the Origami King, the latest in the Paper Mario franchise, coming to your Nintendo Switch. Elsewhere, on the 23rd of July, next Thursday, we have Crisis Remastered for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Crisis as a first-person shooter, what uh, used to be known for being one of the toughest games to run on the PC. Now you can play it whenever you want. And finally, Carrion, a indie game by Devolver Digital, where a reverse horror game. Think of The Thing, but instead of playing as the people trying to run from The Thing, you're playing as The Thing. It's gross, it's horrifying, but it's also very, very cool. Uh, Carrion looks to be one of the surprise hits of the year, and you can get your mitts on that this Thursday. Ghost of Tsushima, Paper Mario the Origami King, Crisis Remastered, and Carrion, what's next for you on tap? All right, yeah, that's what we're talking about on tap this week. Ghost of Tsushima and Paper Mario are definitely the big two, coming out the same day as this episode, so you can get them right now if you're listening to this. However, do not sleep on Carrion. 
this Thursday. That is a very unique game that will freak a lot of people out. But if you're a horror fan and want to live life on the other side of the fence for once, you want to be the gross creature instead of the people running away from it or shooting at it, give it a shot. Definitely something to consider. Go watch a trailer. See if it's something you'd be into. Um, I dig it. Everything I've played and looked at so far, I played it at E3 2019, I think. Um, looks really cool. Uh, that's definitely something we could talk about maybe next week when it comes out. So, right now, I would like to talk about a big event happening on Thursday. Also happening on Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. And that is the Xbox Games Showcase. Xbox has decided that they are going to pull back the curtain on the uh, games coming for the Xbox Series X this holiday season. They say it will be one hour's worth of nothing but games. It won't be any bundles. It won't be any tech. It won't be anything like that. I'm hoping there's at least a price tag on the console. But other than that, Games, 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 and more games. Now, there was an Xbox conference back in May, I want to say, and that specified third-party games, games that were not developed by Xbox themselves, but instead developed by their partners that are coming to Xbox Series X. This, this is the big one. This is the one that is supposed to have all of the first party Xbox Game Studio developed games coming to Xbox Series X at launch if not right after. This is the one that should counter the PlayStation 5 announcement uh, a couple weeks back. This is the one that Xbox fans have been waiting for. Uh, So what do I think is going to happen? What do I expect from this hour-long presentation? Well, um, let's start off with the easy ones. The obvious ones. And that is Halo Infinite. They have already said that this will be the first look at actual gameplay of Halo Infinite, which was first announced last year at the Xbox game, uh, the Xbox press conference at E3. Uh, the same one where Keanu Reeves appeared on stage. That was a fun one to be in the room for. Um, Halo ended that show, as well as Xbox Series X, which at the time was called Project Scarlet, I want to say. No, that's not right. Yeah, Scarlet. That's right. Scorpio was Xbox One X. I always get those confused. But yeah, Scarlet, now called Xbox Series X. Uh, So Halo Infinite is going to be the big one. Uh, It's an hour-long presentation. Uh, Originally, I thought it was going to be an hour and a half long, so I would have given 15 to 20 minutes to Halo. But after after hearing it's an hour, Halo might only get 10 minutes. Maybe a little more. Uh, Maybe like a a part of a mission, uh, a story mission. Uh, with some multiplayer news thrown in at the end. I'm not entirely sure uh, how long they're going to give Halo, especially if they have other things to announce. Um, They have 15 studios now, does Xbox, between the ones they already had, like 343 Industries, The Coalition, and Rare, and ones that they have recently purchased, like Double Fine and Ninja Theory and Obsidian. Uh, and the one that they made just for uh, Xbox Series X development, the initiative, the brand new studio we haven't seen anything from. So there's a lot to look into. There's a lot to really speculate on outside of the Halo announcement. Um, another obvious one, though, is from Ninja Theory, and that is Hellblade 2, Senua's Saga. Uh, that was revealed at the Game Awards last year in December. 
uh, the Keeleys, as I like to call them, after Jeff Keeley, the Dick Clark of the gaming industry, if there ever was one. Um, this was a trailer that followed the surprise reveal of the console itself. Nobody was expecting to hear about the actual console until about now. But uh, Xbox surprised us with the console, the way it looks, the name of it, Xbox Series X, and this trailer for Hellblade 2 Senua Saga, which I highly recommend you watch, and I highly recommend you play the first one. Uh, cannot speak enough about that. Uh, definitely a game to play with headphones. The use of sound is paramount in that game. Uh, that was one that caught me completely by surprise, and definitely one of the best games i played on the Xbox One in its life. So that would be definitely one that I would recommend to you. Uh, outside of those two, Mo Yang Studios makes Minecraft. It's what they do. It's what they're known for. I do expect some Minecraft coming to Xbox Series X. That's basically a given. But whether or not it will be right at launch with a huge upgrade or if it'll be something down the line remains to be seen. But if you ask me, uh, Minecraft will be, get some sort of a trailer, maybe a minute, minute and a half teaser, something like that. Nothing nuts. Uh, Rare is interesting, because Rare currently is working on Sea of Thieves, and not much else, as I, uh, as I, if I'm remembering correctly. Right now they're looking at Sea of Thieves. I don't know that they have anything else uh, coming down the pike here. So maybe we'll get something from Rare. Maybe we'll get a a game like a uh, maybe a Banjo Kazooie remake after he was put into Smash Brothers. People seem to be wanting that. That would be cool. Maybe a return to Perfect Dark. Although I think that's happening elsewhere. Uh, I don't think that's happening with Rare. I think that's happening with a different studio. Uh, there is a Battletoads revival that is. In the is happening for Xbox One and Windows. We haven't seen anything about it since last E3. Maybe that got pushed to the Series X. Um, it did announce a game called Everwild that was supposed to be for Xbox One. Maybe that got pushed to the Series X. So there are a couple of rare possibilities. <laughs> rare possibilities. Uh, for Rare. Um, Everwild is interesting, and the Battletoads revival is interesting, although the Battletoads revival was uh, pushed out to a Dalala Studios, I believe they're called. Um, so that would be one to focus on, uh, Rare Studios. Uh, heavily rumored that Playground Games, uh, a studio that before this was making games in the Forza uh, franchise, uh, Forza Horizon specifically, may be tackling Fable, or one of the studios may be tackling Fable. Uh, that would be something definitely... Uh, worth looking into. Uh, Fable 1, 2, and 3 were great games on the Xbox uh, original and 360. Haven't seen anything since Fable 3 in 2012, I want to put that. So there's a uh, possibility of Fable. Again, Perfect Dark is looming. I think Perfect Dark will actually come from the initiative. I think that's going to be the initiative's first ever game is a return to Perfect Dark and Joanna Dark. Uh, it could be one of those massive open-world action titles. It could be something more linear. I'm not sure, but I do think that Perfect Dark is coming from the initiative uh, to start. 
But after that, you have uh, the Coalition who works on Gears 5. Gears 5 is still going strong, and uh, I don't even think it's been out for a year yet, so they have time for that. Gears 5 may be getting an Xbox Series X bump, um, which would make sense, but I don't think there's going to be a Gears 6 in this announcement. Uh, Turn 10, a new Forza game is basically a given. Uh, Forza and Xbox go together like macaroni and cheese. I don't think that there has been a year without a Forza game, or at least a Forza update, ever since the original Xbox. So seeing Forza Motorsport, I believe, would be 8 coming to the Xbox Series X would be probably something to count on from turn 10. Um, It would be 8, yes. Um, Definitely one that I would consider... Uh, looking uh, definitely one I would consider showing up in the presentation. Um, after that, Inexile is interesting. Inexile Entertainment uh, is good for high strategy games, uh, open world, like post-apocalyptic wasteland is their big title. I'm not entirely sure if they'll have anything in this presentation because Wasteland Three is still coming. That's due out relatively soon. I want to say August 28th it was delayed to. I'm not sure if it was delayed again. August 28th it is. Um, that could be another one where they're bumping that to Xbox Series X. Uh, but I don't think I don't know if they're going to have any new projects. Um, I would like them to be the ones to try Fable because the Bard's Tale was excellent and they just remastered the first one. If an Exile wanted to be the ones playing uh, doing Fable, that would be cool. But I really don't expect to see them at all with Wasteland 3 coming out, unless it's some sort of mention of a bump. Um, they seem, unless they have been working on a project for a long time and Wasteland 3 is on like a skeleton crew now, I guess it also depends on how far into the future Xbox is going to be announcing games. If they're going to be announcing stuff for the next year, say the launch of Xbox Series X to the following holiday, I don't expect to see anything from Exile. If they go further, then yeah, maybe we'll see a little Exile. Same for Obsidian. Obsidian just came out with the Outer Worlds last year. There's Outer Worlds DLC on its way. Other than that, oh, they've Grounded. That's true. They do have Grounded coming out soon, uh, the game where you are basically kids in this giant um, backyard. It kind of looks like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids the old playset in the Disney MGM Studios, where the grass is huge and there's bugs everywhere. That is coming soon. But then they have the Outer Worlds DLC. They have that grounded. I don't know how much room they have to work on other things. So maybe an Obsidian game will surprise us. Maybe one of their IPs will come back and get a sequel. Uh, maybe the Outer Worlds DLC will launch at the same time the Xbox Series X does, as, as well as the bump for Xbox Series X, uh, that the other game, every other game, first-party game uh, on Xbox One will get. Uh, so that, Obsidian is a wild card as well. Uh, if I had to pick uh, one or two wild cards, it'd be Obsidian and Exile. Uh, Undead Labs, State of Decay 2 is their baby. They're not going to really be branching out from that. Uh, I don't see anything big coming from them. Double Fine has Psychonauts 2, but I don't know if that is now considered Xbox exclusive, considering Double Fine is owned by Xbox now. Um, 
I don't think it is. I think they're still going to publish that on all on all consoles. But uh, I don't know that Double Fine is going to really bring anything to the table here for the Series X. Uh, and then the final two are Compulsion Games, who made uh, Contrast and We Happy Few. They've been sort of quiet for a little while. Uh, they could have their next game revealed at this conference, as well as World's Edge. World's Edge is the Age of Empires studio. They are currently making uh, Age of Empires 4. Uh, so maybe we'll get a glimpse of that coming to Xbox Series X and PC. Uh, but I do not expect anything else from them other than that. Uh, uh, they just remastered 2 for the Definitive Edition. 4 on its way. That's probably all we're going to see from that. So that's 14 studios. Uh, one of them is their publishing wing. So I don't know if anything will come from them. Uh, 343 with Halo, World's Edge with Age of Empires, The Coalition working on Gears, Compulsion, who knows, Double Fine, Psychonauts 2, could be something else. The Initiative is where I think Perfect Dark is coming. In Exile, Wasteland 3, not sure what's going on there otherwise. Mo Yang is Minecraft, will always be Minecraft. Ninja Theory is Hellblade 2. Obsidian, again, after Grounded and the Outer Worlds DLC, I don't know what's on their plate. Playground Games is supposedly working on Fable after working on Forza DLC. That's a bit of a transition, but I am interested to see what, what goes on there. Uh, Rare has that Everwild game, as well as Sea of Thieves. Perhaps a Banjo-Kazooie uh, remaster would be nice. I would like that for a remake, excuse me. I would like that from Playground also, if they're not making Fable. In Exile could make Fable. See, that's the beauty of this. There could be, there's so many possibilities. It's really hard to predict. But there's definitely a lot to consider. And then the final two are Turn 10 with Forza and Undead Labs with State of Decay. Uh, State of Decay could get a third. Uh, State of Decay 2 was, I believe, 2018, maybe a little earlier than that. But I don't see that happening yet. They just updated it to the Juggernaut Edition. They're still adding new things. Um, State of Decay is, is in a good spot right now. I don't see that happening anytime soon. So Xbox fans have a lot to look forward to. The only thing I hope for in this presentation, I don't want to hear the words Xbox One one time unless it's a game that's coming to both consoles. I want this to be Xbox Series X from pillar to post. I want nothing but games coming to that system. They could be launch titles. They could be a year out. If they want to put something at the end where it's two years out, fine. But that's all I want to see from this. We are now in July. July 16th, or 17th when this goes, 16th when I'm recording, 17th when it goes live. The consoles are due to come out anywhere between September and November. We know barely anything. We don't know launch titles. We don't even know games coming to the system, in Xbox's case, first-party games. We don't know price. We don't know bund uh, different size bundles. We know none of this. But the previous generation, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, we knew how much we would have to put up by the end of E3 in June. Now, nothing. And Sony's had their turn, and they didn't announce their price. I'm hoping that Xbox comes out with their price here at the end so that Sony can announce theirs too. And we can start budgeting for these consoles, us gamers, who are going to buy them day one. Of course we are. 
I wish, I hope, I hope, I hope that they talk about the price and what's going to be in the box and everything of that nature. I don't want to find out in September that this console is coming out in October and it's going to cost me a ton of money. I want to know now so I can start planning for it. The sooner I know, the easier it is to plan for it. Granted, there is a pandemic. COVID-19 has changed the entire game for the year of 2020 and probably and possibly 2021 as well. Unless, you know, people start wearing masks, but that's another story. Um this this lack of information is not something that I like. It's not something that I'm used to from Xbox. And I really hope that they can turn that around and uh, give the people what they want on Thursday. But regardless, we're going to get games. We're going to have games to talk about. I'll probably do a review next week after this preview now. Um, Wow me, Xbox. Wow me. That's all I need you to do is wow me. Knock me off my feet. Knock my shoes off. That's all I want. I want to be excited about next gen. I'm not there yet. Get me there. Get me excited for the Series X. Do it. Now, it's time for the speed run. Okay, so first up on the speed run tonight is an interesting situation unfolding with a popular soccer franchise. That is the Pro Evolution soccer uh, name this year called eFootball PES 2021. Uh, ordinarily, when a new sports game comes out, it is a fully priced $60 brand new sports game um, with all the new features and teams and players that th- these uh, sports games come out with every year. Madden is one, FIFA is one, MLB is one, just the standard sports fair. But PES is doing something interesting. Uh, because of the new consoles, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, coming out this year, PES has decided that 2021 will not be a full update to the game as in previous years. This will instead be an iteration, a small season update, not a full-on year-after-year update. There will be fewer changes than usual, and the gameplay will stay basically the same as the year prior, but it will also cost about half the price for the standard edition. Uh, $30 for the standard PES 2021 season update. Um, There is an extra partner club edition for five extra dollars, which has exclusive content based on the club that you pick. There's FC Barcelona, Juventus, uh, Man U, FC Bayern, or Arsenal. Um, But the only thing they're really changing with this game is they're adding some uh, UEFA Euro 2020 content uh, which is 44 UEFA teams an offline tournament mode and Wem- Wembley Stadium to play the games in but then other than that it's just data for players and club rosters which will be available on it as a day one patch updating the previous game um, it is standalone you do have to buy it separately if you have PES 2020 you can't just upgrade for 30 bucks it's going to be a separate download But what makes this interesting is the first time that I can think of, at least in the modern era, that a sports game is not releasing a full-on new game in a calendar year. Uh, 
granted, again, this is happening because the consoles are happening, and they're going to wait a year and then blow it out with 2022 and a brand new engine, hopefully trying to take FIFA off its mantle. However, this could be an interesting window into how sports games operate in the future. Sports games get a lot of crap for being the same game, quote-unquote, every single year with just roster updates and small tweaks to the engine. I mean, there's big, for in, like, let's take Madden, for example. They always focus on one or two positions every year, give it a massive overhaul, and tweak little things here and there otherwise. But they also release a brand new title every year. Madden 21, due out this year, Lamar Jackson on the cover. Never before has a sports game decided to essentially skip a year while also releasing a small update, an expansion, an old-style expansion like the old PC games of yore, where you're paying not full price, but still getting an updated version of the game you already have. If this proves to be good for Konami and the Pro Evo series, if this is something that is successful for them uh, so, uh, something that the that the uh, sports game fans out there decided they want to do something they're interested in I would not be surprised if other sports franchises give this a try do I think Madden's not going to release Madden 22 next year of course I do but maybe they don't have to in a COVID pandemic year if the if the the season isn't played, God forbid, and there's no data to update. There's no uh, games that were played to reference from when you're changing rankings or no updates to make to the overall system based on the year prior. Why do it? Take a year off, release a smaller update like this one, and then the year after that, when there's a season of games to reference from again, Blow it out with a brand new next-gen experience. Uh, There's a lot to be said about sports games taking their time and being patient. It doesn't happen often. Uh, WWE was the first one. They just took the year off, and they needed it. Granted, Battlegrounds is still coming out, but the core simulation game, there will be no 2K21. And after 2K20, that makes a ton of sense. Now, with Konami, we have Pro Evolution Soccer 2021, taking a year off but not still releasing an update but not blowing out the full on annual release that it is and i'll be keeping an eye on it if sales are good you might see other sports companies doing the same that's all i'm saying maybe it's worth a shot especially in an ever-evolving digital age of gaming where nobody owns anything anyway. As it is, I look at EA Access and I see Madden 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, or FIFA 15, 16, 17, 18. Ain't nobody playing those old games anymore. No one. No one's playing those old games anymore. Get them out of there and put something else there um, that people like. And then in the future, maybe you don't need to release a full game every year. I know it's Electronic Arts and they have a history of liking money. Who doesn't? But if you could sell a Madden 22 update for 30 bucks after this pandemic year and just make small changes, keep the rankings the same because nobody they didn't play for a year, why not? I think you get better sales 
if not just as many sales, doing that. Something to look into. Just keep an eye on PES 2021, the eFootball PES 2021 season update, as it is officially called, and see if, you know, maybe it works out for them. Maybe it could work out for another sports developer in the future. So topic number two on the speed run this evening is actually a recap of the UB Forward Ubisoft presentation from this past Sunday. It was the first of apparently two, there's going to be another one, uh, presentations of games to expect from Ubisoft. Uh, three games really took the spotlight here. That would be uh, Far Cry 6, which was announced for the very first time after being leaked a couple days before. Uh, the main villain is being played by Giancarlo Esposito, who Breaking Bad fans would know as Gustavo Fring. So that's very exciting. He's a tremendous actor. Um, interested to see how he performs in this video game role, and based on the first trailer, he doing just fine. Uh, the second is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the Viking turn for the Assassin's Creed franchise. Definitely one that I personally am looking forward to. I'm hoping I can catch up on Assassin's Creed before then. I have two more to go, uh, because this one looks like a bloody, gory mess in Viking times, and it's definitely something that I am interested in. But the main game for me from this conference is Watch Dogs Legion. Watch Dogs is a uh, modern-slash-futuristic hacker open-world game with a lot of action and, and uh, open-world hacking, so you can hack into machines, you can steal money and all that kind of thing. Uh, following this hacker group that's trying to right the wrongs by ultra-corporate corporate, uh, nation sort of thing. Very, a lot of commentary, stuff like that. But this particular game, Legion, is set in London, which is currently in a police state because of hackers in San Francisco from the second game. Uh, so, uh, Britain locked down. And there is no central hero in this game. You can basically recruit and play as anyone you see in the game. If you have the ability to convince them to come to your side, you can build them out as a character, see their stats and attributes, and assign them to certain missions, and then play that mission as that character. It's a very unique, very interesting take I did not expect. And if this works the way they want it to, this could really be a huge, huge splash right at the end of the of the old console generation, just before the new one, and maybe some other companies will take this idea and run with it. Watch Dogs Legion. That is the one to be looking forward to. Uh, comes out October 29th uh, on the current consoles, uh, and it will release on PS5 and Xbox Series X at a later date, uh, but for now, October 29th on the current consoles. That would be one to keep an eye on. One of the characters is like a granny who can like walk up to a soldier and surprise him with a taser. Uh, there's some that are stealth. There's some that are professional hitmen. There's some that are that are just random construction dudes. It's really, really cool. Anybody in the city can be an ally if you can recruit them correctly. Um, I loved what I saw. Very, very cool trailer. Could have done without the reference to the Holocaust poem in the cinematic trailer, but that's another story. Uh, they went with the first they came for the blah, 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 blah uh, approach. And uh, maybe don't do that again next time. Uh, but yeah, so that was those were the big announcements from UB Forward. Uh, there were a couple of other things. Hyperscape is a new Battle Royale game. That's out now. 
Ghost Recon Breakpoint is adding an update where you'll uh, be able to peruse the island of Aroa with three AI teammates instead of doing it yourself. That's kind of cool. And that was it. That was probably the most surprising thing about this. Uh, They really hyped this up to be this crazy event akin to their E3 presentations with announcements and all this other stuff. And while we did get uh, Watch Dogs Legion gameplay and Assassin's Creed gameplay and Far Cry 6's reveal, even though it was leaked, it seemed like it was not as impactful as Ubisoft's E3 shows have been or can be. Granted, they did say there would be a second one. Perhaps the second one's going to be a little more crazy, but I really expected more from this than I got. Uh, and I'm not alone in that. I know there are a couple people who think, feel the same way I do. Uh, hopefully the second one is a little more impactful, isn't affected by leaks, and we can actually be surprised by what's coming. Uh, otherwise, it'll just be a, hey, cool, we knew about it, sorry it got leaked, but your games look sweet, great. Um, which would be unfortunate for Ubisoft, but fine for the rest of us. Honestly, leaks of their games is the least of Ubisoft's problems right now. Um, so if this next forward is a little delayed while they deal with those internal issues, power to them. Uh, That is not something that will go away lately, and I am anxious to see uh, how they update us on that situation in the near future. Uh, With that, that is the end of Episode 5 of Cheese Steaks and Controllers, a solo effort this evening. The first time since Episode 1, I did not have a guest, but that will change next week. And the week after, as, as I understand it, uh, working on some other names to bring in as well. Uh, looking forward to sharing those with you as they happen. Uh, in the meantime, do not forget Xbox is a game showcase is next Thursday. It's what we're going to be talking about Thursday night. Make sure you check that out. Um, and that's all I have. So thank you for listening to episode five of the Cheese Steaks and Controllers podcast. I am always grateful. To anyone who listens for any amount of time, but if you press play at zero minutes and zero seconds and you're listening to this now, you are a trooper. I totally, totally, totally appreciate you sticking around for the entire thing. I hope you were entertained. I hope you were educated. And I hope that you have a new understanding for games and what they can do um, and what they're. Uh, and w- I'm sorry. I hope you have a better understanding of the future of games. I hope you have a better understanding of games, at least a little bit, than you did when you first played uh, press play. That's all I really want. Even if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Eventually, if you keep listening, you will. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week.
playoffs, 